Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Complete Center's Guide. My name is Tyler Fowler. You can check out all of our previous episodes over www.completecenters.com. You can also check us, check us out on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash Complete Center. Also, you guys, I am waiting, waiting, waiting for emails. I haven't received any emails yet. If you want to email me um, and be a guest on the show, or if you want to email me about a topic you want to hear on the show, make sure to do that at completecenter at gmail.com. So with me today, we got a good show lined up. We're continuing our discussion in salvation, right? And we've done a show on the gospel with Joshua Davidson. We've done a show on justification and exactly what justification is um, with Chris New, who we just released that show today. So if you guys are just uh, checking this out, we're, we're kind of behind on schedule, but we are getting things in the works together um, to actually be more consistent. So please forgive us for that. But like I said, to make up for that, we've got a great show lined up to you, with you guys for today. With me, I actually have my pastor, Bruce Evers. He's the pastor over at Grayson Truth Church in Ireland, Indiana, and moved around a little bit. Um, now, by the grace of God and God's providence, he's here, and we've met up. We've known each other for about, I don't know, I think three or four years now, something like that. But I just, without any further ado, the man that has helped literally guide my walk with Christ, um, and especially in sanctification, Mr. Bruce Severs. How are you doing, sir? I am fine, and thank you for the invitation, Tyler. You know I appreciate you and love you and have enjoyed our conversations in the past and look forward to today as well. So thank you. Absolutely. And, I mean, it's it's really neat to grow, um, Like, because I've been in church before and whenever I was a child, and you know my story, and a lot of people on the show know my story. I rebelled. And whenever I came back, so to say, um, and I ran into you at the 4th of July fair that we actually evangelize uh, now and I help out with, I, that's where we met. And what's we just had, a, I, I, I don't remember our first conversation, but I know it was something to do with the gospel because that is what, and that's why I appreciate you so much, Bruce, is because your messages in the whole time that I've attended Grace and Truth Church is gospel-centered. Every single sermon you do, you know, you revolve it somehow around Christ and him crucified. And I just admire that about you, and I appreciate it. I really do. Well, thank you. He's our hope. He's our hope. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's that's what we're going to get into today, sanctification. What is sanctification? How is it applied to my life as a Christian? Um, and, and just what does the Bible have to say about it? Before before we start, I, I, I have, a, I guess, a testimony, so to say. Um, I was actually watching a YouTube video on the Third Temple in, in, um, in, in, in Israel. And and specifically in Jerusalem, we have everybody has their views on eschatology. That's not important right now. But what is is how? Like, I, I guess I just break it down like this. The start of the video, there was a guy from the states. I forget his name, but he was making a documentary on the Third Temple. He was from the states. He went over to Jerusalem to interview ethnic Jews, right? Jewish people, what their views about this are. And there was an older gentleman, this guy was interviewing younger uh, kids, um, Jewish kids, but there was an older gentleman that actually came over and acted like he wanted to be interviewed, so to say. But he said, you know, the guy asked him a question, and the Jewish man responded with this. He said, are you Jewish? 
right? And, and the guy kind of laughed, and the, and the kids laughed around him, and he said, no, I'm not Jewish. I'm from the United States. We're making a documentary. And the guy said, if you're not Jewish, I don't have time for you, right? Yeah. And that, I, I mean, it, it, for somebody and, and for a group to claim to have the Torah, to have true written revelation from God, Moses follows Moses, all these great rabbis in the past, for someone to act exactly like we see 2,000 years ago in the Bible with the Pharisees and to literally treat this person as a uh, second-class citizen almost, you know, if you're not Jewish, I don't want to ha- I don't have no time for you. No, we are supposed to be separated from the world and to act and represent, even though we don't do it perfectly all the time, we are called to represent God honorably and truthfully and that involves love god said over and over again in the old testament i don't desire your sacrifices i desire you to love people right and that was that that's the whole mission of us and in um in our great commission and and what we've set out to do is to literally act like jesus why because we're becoming more and more like jesus i know that was kind of drawn out but that's in a nutshell how I see sanctification and why it's so important. Bruce, how would you describe sanctification to everyone listening? Um, And keep in mind, we have a broad range of listeners, babies all the way to the mature. Um, Sure. But how would you describe sanctification um, in in your own words as to, and and how it relates to the Bible? Sure. Well, my understanding of sanctification is it's it's to be made holy it is to be set apart for god it is to be be owned by god become like god and it's interesting that you would start with an illustration of of someone who would say they're holding to the old covenant and and uh, not trusting jesus and coming to god through the new covenant the only way because in the New Covenant, God says He will change our hearts, and He does change our hearts. He puts His law in our hearts. He, he takes a heart of stone and makes it fleshy. And so sanctification is, in essence, um, our holiness. First of all, positionally, that we are different from the world. We are owned by God. We are... We are set apart for him and for his use because of Christ, and so we're different. And that difference is our relationship with God and our standing with God and our actions before God. We would call that positional sanctification. For every single Christian, they are indeed holy or a saint, which is the exact same word, um, to be holy or to be a saint. In in sanctification, there's not only what we are and how God views us and how we stand before him positionally, holy and saints and people that he has changed and put his law in our hearts, but also how we interact with that law and how we obey God and how we become more and more like him in our obedience, in our heart, in our our attitudes and our speech and what we do and what we don't do. And um, as we live and obey more and more the word of the living God, that's what we would call progressive sanctification, where we are becoming what we are. 
some people have said. Um, sure. In addition to that is what we would look forward to. Theologians have called um, ultimate sanctification, or we might say our future sanctification, where we are totally like Christ in the sense that we are no longer dealing with our sin nature. We are glorified. Right now, I am positionally viewed as holy. I am acting to become more holy in my behavior, in my attitudes, in my speech. And one day, I will be like Christ. I will see him as he is. And and so every person who's put their trust in Jesus the Christ. Um, positional, progressive, uh, ultimate, we might say, in sanctification. So it sounds like what you're talking about then is there's really, in sanctification as a whole, there's three aspects. You have positional sanctification, progressive sanctification, and what you described as ultimate or future uh, sanctification. Yes. And what's interesting is all of these are tied in to here, – here's the thing. All right. We as Christians use very broad words these days in, in, in our in, just in our society and our culture, and we like to say words like, "Well, I am saved," you know. And, and me personally, I know it aggravates <laughs> sometimes, but I want to know what people mean by that. Like, well, what exactly sure. are you saved from? What do you mean by "I'm saved"? Like, what does that all entail? And it, and it seems like from what the Bible says, right, which we're getting ready to dig into, but it seems like as a Christian. Another way we could say that is, in a sense, we have been saved whenever we placed our faith in Christ. In a sense, we are being saved, as in what's happening in the present right now. In a sense, we will be saved as to what's to happen in the future. And and there's different nuances in between uh, the two. And what we're really going to hit on today is progressive sanctification, positional sanctification, if we have time at the end, ultimate sanctification, um, but to to just start out, for my theologians that are listening, sanctified, it, Bruce described it exactly. I got the Strong's Concordance here in front of me. And it comes from the Greek word hagiadzo, right? And hagiadzo, is, its definition, according to Strong's, is to make holy, consecrate, or sanctify. Its usage, it's used in different ways. I make holy, treat as holy, set apart as holy, sanctify, hollow, or uh, purify. A way I like to remember it, and the way that Hoot, uh, my, the guy who led me to the Lord, Alpha is his real name, a, a way he taught me to remember the, a, a very nutshell, you know, baby, I guess, milky <laughs> definition of sanctified is set aside, right? We are set aside to do God's work. And, sure. And acor- according to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and, and 10, I'm sorry, um, it, it seems like sanctification is a very, very important and a very, very big part of the Christian experience. We have justification, which is what Chris New and I talked about last week, that happens in an instantaneous moment in time where we are, as Christians, as new believers in Christ, we are declared righteous. It's a legal term. Um, it's used in you know uh, court today. We hear the words unjust and, and and you are justified, or we demand justice all the time. And this all stems from the sense, and it all connects together with if God is just and if God is holy, God is sanctified as well, and He is set apart as holy. And our issue comes is we have sin, and that's where Chris and Josh both we talked about how one how an unjust sinner 
can be justified in the sight of a just God. And, and it's through faith in Jesus. Today's conversation now, it, my, and me and Bruce was talking about this earlier, is, okay, now what? Right? Like, that's the question we want to answer today is, okay, I've put my faith in Christ. Now what? And as I, I guess as, as you are a, a biblical counselor, too, right, Bruce? Like, you, you, yes, you deal with families all the time. And you've helped me and my wife. You gave us premarital counseling um, and just me counseling in general. Um, what would you say to a person that asks that question? Like, okay, so I put my faith in Christ. Now what do I do? Yeah. Um, I think the answer comes, first of all, it's interesting, and I'm, I'm, I'm exactly uh, on board. Biblical counseling is is driven by and functions within the realm of progressive sanctification. And I think that starts even in the Great Commission when we you know, when you say so someone has put their faith and trust in Christ, they have demonstrated that by publicly or, or hung the sign publicly by baptism. They they've said they want to follow Christ. Um, Jesus said not only baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but but also teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Yes. And I'm with you in that, even to the end of the age. And so so biblical counseling, as we deal with, with whether it's new believers or, or mature believers who get stuck, or um, anyone trying to understand what's it mean to follow Christ, it is, okay, how do I, as a truster of Christ— how do I live? How do I interact with him and what he said? And um, how do I obey? And what do I obey? And what's that look like? And how do I change? So in, if, if I were to say to a new believer who said to me, I'm a Christian, now what? Now we begin to grow, to become mature, to obey more and more to put off the old man the the way I used to live, to put on the new man to what Christ has made me and how he views me. And, and it's a continuous life of change. Um, not only change in behavior, but a change in thinking, a change in affection, a change in devotion. Uh, it's a life of change as I, as I follow literally follow Christ in how I live. Right, exactly. You said change, and that, yes. it, it, it's almost like sanctification starts. You know, we was kind of talking about this earlier, like when, you know, when are the different nuances, and could we even be hair-splitting, you know, whenever it comes down to, well, when is one positionally sanctified? Is it whenever they are, you know, justified? Or, I mean, it, ultimately, I believe it's secondary, but what for anyone that may be confused about what 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 is being said we are not Bruce and I both take the position that we do not we we hold and we believe that faith alone is what justifies a person Absolutely. in the sight of God we will we we can talk about James 2:24 all day long but at the end of the day we believe that a person is justified declared righteous in the sight of God through faith in Jesus Christ with that faith now, because there are all different kinds of faiths, with that faith in Jesus will come good works. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 
says that clearly. Um, I, I actually want to flip to it real quick. Um, and, and just read it. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are, and Bruce, you can explain what that little four means there, right? Because yeah, we know yeah, that yeah. little word is very, very important, right? But it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so what we're saying is, yes, a person is justified, declared righteous in the sight of God by faith alone, but with that faith will always come good works, always. Sure, sure. And the reason for that is because we are saved positionally. God declares us as his, but we live as his now. We function as his. There will be one day we will be with him, but, but the Christian life is lived here, and that life that we live is a life of obedience and change. So we didn't get saved, trust Christ, and declared righteous and and sit and wait for heaven we have work to do as we share the gospel with others and we have work to do as we grow to be more like christ because remember salvation is all about god being glorified christ being glorified every knee will bow every tongue confess that he's lord to the glory of god and part of that that glory that he has is according to romans 8 he is the firstborn among many brethren. He, we, we are, we are changed to be like him more and more. Here, one day we will look like Jesus in our actions and attitudes and holiness completely, and he will be glorified because here's a whole bunch of people who look and act like him, and, and we have right. been saved to do that. Right, to look exactly. Like Jesus. Exactly, and that. There's a reason, if I can reword it a little bit different, there's yeah, a reason <laughs> There's a reason that God has saved us. God doesn't do things purposelessly, right? Absolutely. God, there's a reason that we are saved, which, you know, I don't get me wrong. I, I am full, you know, the thief on the cross was saved in an instant, right? He And he did absolutely nothing but die, right? Like, that's all right. he right. did. He, he placed his faith in Christ at the very last moment. So I'm not saying that can't happen. But what I am saying is a majority of the time whenever people are saved, they're saved at a young age. You know, I think you were, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Bruce. Were you saved at a young right. age? Okay. I was saved as a child. I sure was. Right. And I know that there's people in our church that are like that. Me, on the other hand, I was saved a little bit later in life, right? I think about 23, 24. Um, so why, you know, why God allows different people to be saved at, at a different time is, you know, it's kind of off the subject, but I think it plays an important role because we are all growing, right? That is what Peter told us as a church to do, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says to do something, and then he explains how to do it. Um, In in 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul actually adds to it a little bit. He says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. He says, not will be. He says, not have been. 
he says we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the lord who is the spirit and i think this plays hand in hand with paul whenever he explains in galatians what sanctification looks like what does the fruit of the spirit uh, look like so kind of tying galatians 5 with second uh, corinthians 3 for just a second in that transformation daily right it's almost like and i think piper explains it this way but it's almost like we are growing ever so slightly you know daily to become more like christ but in those times of sin and in those times of you know downs so to say it's almost like a roller coaster we have our ups and we have our downs but we're constantly going up so to say for for clarification to be made ultimately into that image would you say that's sure. a good analogy Bruce or how would you kind of sure. define sure. what Paul's talking about in second Corinth or yeah second Corinthians 3:18 sure I think there's two parts to it number one is, is this is something and, and I like how you said it this this is happening God is making his people holy he will it's a promise it's it comes from Christ and His work, the Spirit's work in us, God's purpose now and for, for eternity. God is doing this, and He's doing this whether or not we realize it's happening. Right. This is one of the sweetest things about a verse that we cling to often and maybe maybe don't understand how sweet it really is, Romans eight twenty eight where we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose, that God is sanctifying us. God is making us like Christ, conforming us to the image of his Son, he goes on to say. Um, God is doing that regularly. And everything that happens, even, even in this sin-cursed world, the struggles we face, the trials we face, the um, the battles of our own heart, and even our failings, um, all things God is using to, to, to shape and mold us to be like Christ. The second part of that is where we come into our response and our act of obedience. And so we don't, we see our behavior change, and we might see our our understanding change as we learn, but God shapes it in ways that are imperceptible to us, I'm convinced, the same way as God draws a person to Christ, and they may not realize what's happening. God God draws us to be more like Christ, and we don't always realize what's happening. We just see when we obey, or, or I used to do this, and now I don't, or I'm working hard to stop doing this and start doing something else. Um, God is at work changing us from one degree of glory to the next. And so no Christian at the end of his life will be less like Christ. He will always be more like Christ than he was when he started. It it may not look that way always. This is the work of God. From glory to glory, he is changing us into that same image. Um, but it's both God at work in me, and my response, my my active discipline, and um, put off the old man, put on the new man, stop doing this, start doing this, work, 
you know, wrestle, repent, change. Um, But God is changing us from glory to glory. Right. I I agree 100%. And what you just said, it reminds me of a verse, right? Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, check this out. A lot of people quote the verse right before it, Philippians uh, 2.12. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's where it stops. And we got to finish the sentence. He says, for it is God. There's that four again. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Um, That's from the NIV. But you're right. It, it it ties in together. Salvation, justification, and sanctification all go together. It's almost like a package deal, right? Once you are sure. justified, you will you are sanctified. You will be sanctified in in what Bruce was talking about. For those who are just tuning in, I have Bruce Severs with me from Grace and Truth uh, Southern Baptist Church in Ireland, Indiana, and we're talking about sanctification, and he just nailed it. We are saved to do good works, exactly what Paul has said, exactly what James has said, and everybody in between Jesus uh, has, we have all talked, or they have all talked about this act of sanctification and why it's so important to us. And like I said, Bruce, you just nailed it. It's to be more like Christ, right? Sure, Um, sure. So, so how, so let me ask you this then, because from a practical level, let me, I guess I'll, I'll kind of explain what I'm going through right now. Because you brought up Romans eight twenty eight, right? And I okay, love that yes. verse. God causes all things to work together for good to those yes. who love God. And so right now, uh, without giving too many details, I have to go to court. It's not criminal. It's um, it, uh, small claims. But I have to go to court, okay? And I understand, and you and I have talked about this, Bruce, before, but... I understand, you know, first I was terrified, right? Like, why is this happening to me? I don't know what's going on. But after stopping and thinking about it, and this goes to anybody who's listening, who's going through trials right now, Peter reminds us to rejoice in our trials, right? Why? Why is that? Is because God is at work in those trials for our good, for our betterment. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it stings. Sometimes it burns. Sometimes it hurts. But we've got to remember that Whatever is happening in our life, and Bruce is going through trials as well. I know them personally, right? We all are. But whatever we're going through is ultimately for our good, and it's ultimately to make us more like Christ. Yes, yes, absolutely. Here's the sweet thing. Um, when we think of Romans 8, 28, 29, um, what is the good thing that he is doing? What is the purpose that God is working in us to accomplish. It is to make us, to conform us to the image of His Son. Let me just read it, the, the whole thing if I could. We know it. And, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. My understanding is God's taking everything in this sin-cursed world, using it to accomplish His purpose, and His purpose is to make us more like Jesus, His Son, so that for all eternity, Christ is glorified as the number one. And there's a whole bunch of little 
people, a bunch of people looking like Christ in our actions and our heart. He's changed us and made us holy. That does two things, I think. Number one, it gives us hope in our trials. Um, when the pressures come in this sin-cursed world, there is hope. We always say, we don't always say, sometimes it's said to us and it rings hollow, well, there must be a purpose, and, or, and it gives us no comfort often. But when, if we can understand the purpose is to make us like Christ, this is the purpose. Shape our heart, our attitudes, our affections, our wording, our, our actions. Well, okay, I see that. that. This is not useless. The second thing that sanctification, the second way in which sanctification gives us hope, I think, is for us as sinners. We all know, every single Christian knows they're a sinner, or else they wouldn't have turned to Christ. <laughs> right, right. So we know we're sinners, and we see it more and more. The more we understand who Christ is, what he's done, what God is like in his character, and what the perfect man looked like in, uh, as Christ lives, and, and, and we see him in the Scriptures, what do I do with my sin? Here's the hope. We will change. So someone can say, I've had this problem for the last... 20 years, there's no way I can change. Well, by yourself, that's right, but but God has sanctified you. He has made you holy, and He is making you holy, and, right. and He is giving us hope even in our sin. We can and will be different, not only in heaven for eternity, but we can be different now. Um, still battle, still struggle, we wrestle, we fail, three steps forward, two steps back. Like, just like you said, you described it perfectly, Tyler. Right. Uh, but there's hope. Our trials matter, and we don't have to stay the way we are. Um, and that's a sweet thing. Amen. I, I agree. And it seems, I, I want to address this, because it, it's it's a very big problem in the church today. We have what's called carnal Christians. I, 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 here, here, a lot of people disagree with me on this, but here's the thing. I believe in carnal Christians. I believe that there can be a such thing as a quote-unquote carnal Christian, and I know I disagree with about everybody on that point, but I do. And I see that in 1 Corinthians. I see where people, as a church, have came together and literally dis—what's uh, the word? It, it, it's almost a gross um, picture in the mind of these Corinthians who were— disregarding the Lord's Supper in a fashion that was disgusting, right? We, they, they sure. very, very unholy. I'll put it like that. Selfish, um, self-centered, not God-centered. Exactly. Just like the, I, I hate to say it like this, but it, it's serious. Just like the guy I saw in the video who said, if you're not Jewish, I don't want anything to do with you. They are putting, sure. they're, they're classifying Christians on a level of, I'm better than you, therefore I should eat before you, and I'm going to get drunk on this wine that is supposed to represent Christ's blood, for crying out loud. Paul says to them, brothers, he doesn't condemn them. Yeah. He corrects yeah. them in a gentle way. And he even tells them, would you rather me come with you at a, with a stick? Or would you rather me come to you in love and gentleness? And we all know the answer to that, right? Love and gentleness, of course. And But we see Christians in a day and age, maybe we are not doing those kinds of things, 
but it seems like we have the same battle as the uh, i mean it, at least it's a battle right christians have sure. a battle within their self it, we 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 call it the old man and the new man these two are fighting against each each other and what we have come what i have come to believe for a long time i thank god i've repented for it and it's only by his grace that i did that but i thought i was still held captive to my sin right yeah. and we see yeah. we have part of faith is belief in god and part of sanctification is belief in god are we going to trust god or are we not? And I want to read what Paul wrote in Romans 6, right? It, it, we all know how it starts out. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? He says, by no means, or God forbid, or as Bruce says, ah, you know, screams in church. No, <laughs> by no means. He says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? We go to, down a few verses later in chapter 14, or I'm sorry, Verse 14, chapter 6, he says, For sin will have no, not a little, not a lot, no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. We, in a very real sense, and this is why I don't like, you know, people who say, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like the people, I don't like the idea, that we're not saved until we get to heaven. No, 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 my friend, we, and my friends listening, we are saved right now. And sin has no dominion over us of it over over us now, right now. We choose every single Christian when they sin, they choose to sin. We do, and it's because we still have that selfishness dwelling in us. We cannot escape it until we the day we leave this flesh, the day we die. So I think uh, me and Bruce have not really talked about this, but I definitely don't hold to perfectionism. Um, in the sense of we will be perfect or we can be perfect now. Even Paul says, I have not yet been perfected, right? And arguably <laughs> the best apostle. But regardless, <laughs> what, <laughs> what we're, and the worst at the same time, right? So, and which is, I think, you know, to kind of rabbit trail for just a second, I think it's the beauty of the gospel in general, right? God has taken unclean things, cleaned them, and not only cleaned them, right? We're not just sinless. But we whose faith is in Christ are righteous as well. Not of righteousness of our own, but we are righteous in the eyes of God now. And that enables us to do God's work, right? And that's the whole point we've been trying to make. We don't have to let sin overrule us. Sin no longer has dominion over us. Christ has dominion over us. So if, and we can get into talking about the new man and the old man, how exactly to do that, because that was a big question I had, right? How do you put on the new man? How do you put on the old man? Or how do you put off the old man? And how, I guess, um, what, what do you think about that first, Bruce, about the sin that is in our church today? Um, it, do you think a big cause of it is because people believe that they're still entrapped to sin and that they have to do it? Or, or is it just a misunderstanding um, that people just fall sometimes, and that's just how, what we should expect? Well, I think that's a big... The answer to that is big. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Agreed. <laughs> and, and one of them is... You know, one of, the very clear one of... The very clear answer is because we're sinners, <laughs> yeah. and... And we have been declared righteous, and we have been set apart positionally, and God is at work in us, in our hearts, and and he has changed us and is changing us. But the reason he has 
and is changing us is because we were and are sinners um, in, in the sense of our actions and our old man. We're also raised to newness of life, and we are, we're also uh, you know, brand new. And that battle that, that you've talked about um, is real. And so why is there sin in our churches? One is because we are sinners. We need to understand that. Do I think we'd, we'd, we could use a better understanding of progressive sanctification? I do. I think churches in general and people in general um, would benefit from understanding, okay, God has changed us. We can overcome sin, not perfectly, but incrementally. We don't have to do everything that that our hearts might lead us to do on one hand, or our our old man or our flesh or our lust may lead us to do. We don't have to do that. And learning that we don't have to do that, and how to not do that by yielding to the Spirit of God and putting on the new man, putting off the old man by putting on the new man and living according to the change that's that's taken place, it, it is for real. Right, and but I we, also think. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go finish your thought, please. And, and in the church, if we don't work to help each other, um, you know, in a very real way, progressive sanctification, as an uh, understanding, progressive sanctification has shaped how I shepherd people, and how I shepherd my own heart, and and how you know, how other people shepherd me. Uh, we are we have been changed and we want to obey god's law is written in our heart we want all christians want to obey it to some degree we may not want to obey everything all the time but god has <laughs> changed us yeah. and the ministry within a church then is helping each other do that from the pulpit um yes from our conversations with each other uh throughout the week and after church and before the service and, um, you know, all, all that goes on it until we grasp a hold of God's, God's process and how we help each other grow to be more like Christ. It doesn't happen. You know, you and I have had conversations and we've said, okay, on today I could be on this side of the table and help you obey and tomorrow. You could be on that side of the table, helping me obey. And we've had that happen. In, in how our many times? I mean, how many yeah. times, really? We and have it goes had both ways. It goes both yeah. ways because this is how we grow, and this is what the church is about. And yeah, yeah. exactly. And you know, I, I I've had conversations about this all week. You know, people will tell me, "Well, I don't go to church, but I'm a Christian," and I say, "You should go to church. You don't have to have a you know parachute." I mean, we, me and Lacey just went skydiving, right? We didn't have to have a parachute, but it certainly helped. It certainly helped us <laughs> land on the ground safe, right? I'm glad so what you I did, say Tyler. to I'm glad I know. I'm glad I did, too. And it's like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, and I will never say you have to go to church to go to heaven. No, 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 no. But I am saying it helps to go to church if you want to prepare for the exam you're going to take in heaven, you know. Now, I say that jokingly, but at the same time, God, and we are commanded as Christians— and here's the sweet thing, I think. We are commanded as Christians to obey God's Word. I mean, period, in a subject. There are certain things we have been given to do that we should and we ought 
to walk in them. We ought to walk in the Spirit as Christians. Not that we always do, but we ought to, and God can say that, right? But what I'm saying as well is people will say, and you nailed it, you said, well, people, you know, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm paraphrasing here. It's hard. It's hard to do what God wants us to do. Sure. The sweet thing about it is, and the beautiful thing about it, I love it is, is that God is the one who works and wills in a person, right? God has given us his Holy Spirit, and part of that faith in Christ is to want to desire God. I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with my supervisor at my day job, right, about the gospel. And I ask him, you know, if you have the freedom to choose, why don't you choose salvation? Why are you choosing hell? If that's the case, why, Jeremy? <laughs> I know he wouldn't yeah. mind me saying his name. But I asked him that, why? And he says, because it sounds really hard and you have to make sacrifices and that's where i just want to scream but god is the one who makes you want to have those desires and wants to sacrifice those things you know so in a way i'm joking but in a way it's a very real conversion god we have been made at a moment in time when our faith was put in christ we have been made a new creature, and we desire God. And so what I would say, and you can stop me real quick if need be, but what I would say to anybody who's questioning their salvation right now, because it is a very big question that we have in our church, and one that I don't think has been, you know, uh, and not from any one person, but it hasn't been answered to a satisfaction of what people, you know, need. And I would say that if you question your salvation, do you desire anything about the triune God of Scripture, about the real Jesus, about anything. Do you desire anything about him? And if that answer is yes, why are you questioning your salvation? The Holy Spirit is the one who works those desires in you. What what, what would you say to a person? Um, or Would you correct me on that? Or is that a pretty clear assumption from, I mean, because we have the book of First John that, right, that basically right. tells us how do we know we're Christians, right? Right. Um, so how what would you, the, go yeah, ahead. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, what would you, what would you say to a person? I know this is kind of off the topic, but if, if they were questioning their salvation, if you can kind of um, shape that into a way that it touches this conversation about sanctification as well, how would you answer that question? Sure, and I'm not sure it really is off topic, Tyler. Okay. Um, sanctification, progressive sanctification, where God is changing the way we act, and we are obeying, and there is difference in our living, and our attitudes, and speech, and all of those things. Um, those are sweet reminders and sweet pointers, according to First John, that we do obey and we do love. Um, those are those are wonderful indicators that we have been born from above. God has changed us. We are saved. The problem comes whenever we're not changing the way we wish we were, or there's areas. Sometimes we wish an area of our life we could we could grow and change, and and the, and the battle just never seems to go away. Um, and we can get discouraged and wonder, am I truly born again? So we would go back to, is your faith in Christ not not did you ever put your faith in Christ? That's not the question. Right. The question is today, as you now. look in your heart right now, are you trusting Christ, right. who, who was crucified, 
to satisfy the wrath of God so that you could be forgiven? Are you trusting the Christ who who died and was raised from, from the grave? Are you trusting him now? And if that's if that question is answered, well, yes, as far as I know, where else can I go? You can also look at, okay, and look what he's done for me. He has changed me. I used to want to do this, and now I, I still want to, but I don't do it like I, like I used to. I find myself battling those desires, right? Like that, not yeah. to interrupt, but that would be a good yeah. element Perfect. of, you know, indication that somebody has changed because the desires that we once had we still have them we're not denying that i still do a and want to do a lot of things that i know that i shouldn't but the, here, here's here's what separates the world from the christian in my opinion is that with the christian there's a battle with the yes. world there's a submission right yes, and, and, there's and something there's else something else other than an active fighting um, whatever that looks like. Um, we're not saying that it has to be a certain thing. We're not saying we actually have to see your personal battle, but what we are That's saying right. is there's somehow, some way, a change, and the things you once loved, you now hate and are actively trying to get away and pursue something else other than them. Sure. Sure. So just to, I guess, I mean, like I said, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off, Bruce. we got about 11 minutes left, and I just I want to read something. Um, from Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, real quick. If anybody's got their Bibles and want to turn to it, we're, we're kind of wrapping up. But then I want to transition right into the gospel, okay? Because that is the power of God into salvation. And what we're talking about now, if you're not saved and you're listening, if you're not saved, this all might be going right over your head. And, and, and maybe, maybe not, but maybe so. So what we want to do in the last five, six, seven, or, or five minutes is to explain the gospel, and I would love for my pastor to do that. Real quick, I just want to read Colossians 3, 1 through 10, and answer the question, how? If anybody's wondering, how do I put on that new man that you guys have been talking about? How do I get rid of the old man? How do I put on the new man? The answer is in Colossians 3. It says, if you, or if then, you have been raised with Christ, this is for a believer, this is a Christian, the things that are, seek the things that are above where Christ is. That's the key word. That's how we put on the old or, or the new man and put off the old. Is we are actively seeking something, and Paul's getting ready to explain what that something is. Says so seek uh, the things that are above, the heavenly things, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. This is an active participation on the on on the believers' um, experience. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. He, he, he explains that, and he drops down to verse 12. He says, Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, listen, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. In essence of the question, how do I put on the new man? The answer is, love your neighbor as yourself. 
that that includes kindness, that includes humility, that includes meekness, patience. These are the things which are above Christ and his glory. That's what's above. And in order to glorify God, this is how Paul told us to put on the new man in actively in, in active obedience. Um, is there anything in, in a minute or two, Bruce, would you what what would you say about Colossians three um twelve through uh Sure. 14? And I would say everything you said and I would add the the verses that that we skipped. And that is yeah. we put to death the old things. We we are not letting them reign. They don't get to tell us what to do. We we're saying no. I'm not going to do that because I don't have to. Instead, I'm going to I'm going to to follow the spirit of God and love just as you've said um right yes it's know know what god has done reckon it to be true stop letting sin be the king in your life and yield yourself to god follow what he said um, yeah I, I, I i'm amen man i i agree so in the last six minutes Let's transition to this real quick. I, I think you, I, I've had fun. It's been so fast, right? We've only got six minutes left. So let me ask this, Bruce. Uh, and it's probably the question that I asked you whenever I first met you, right? If anyone is listening and they have this burden on their heart, what would you do? What would you tell somebody if they asked you these words? How can I be saved? What would you tell yeah. them? Yeah. We are saved by, first of all, recognizing that it is God that is offended, and our salvation is before God, and, and we are saved from his wrath in our, in our first understanding in a certain way. God is a judge. He must judge sin. He is perfectly holy. Holy, 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 he says. And we are not, and he must reject but he's also loving. God is bigger than any one attribute. He is also loving, and he has sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to live perfectly a righteous life that you can't live and I can't live. And then he suffered as a sinner. The scripture says God made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that we can be made the righteousness of God in him. He will forgive, he will change, he will treat us as if we've not sinned, he will forgive us. And it happens by faith. He says, will you trust my son's work? When a person puts their trust in Christ alone, faith alone in Christ alone, they're forgiven forever. That's the gospel. Amen. Uh, really, that and it is. And in that, you know, it's so, so sweet because we don't deserve it. And that's why Bruce said faith alone in Christ alone. Because if we add anything to that, if we add our good works to that, and we're not saying that all of our works is filthy rags, no. 
there are sometimes people do great things, right? Good things. Atheists do good things. Everybody does great things at times. That's not what we're saying. What we are yeah. saying is this, is those works in our eyes are great. But those works yeah. in God's eyes, if you're not saved, are nothing. And they're not the, the Jewish guy who thinks he is serving God by turning down Gentiles is going to have a very rude awakening if God doesn't change his heart one day. He thinks yeah. he's doing God's work. And, he's, and, and like Jesus says, their lips, they honor me, but their hearts are far. And I revised that. I said yeah. galaxies. Their hearts yeah. are galaxies away from me. Far is an understatement, sure. I believe. They are galaxies sure. away. And, and that is what we see with that change, with that heart. Bruce said it, it's change, and that's what yeah. repentance is. That's what faith is. It's this change that you have seen Jesus, however you've seen him, whether it be a prophet, whether it be just another guy, whether it be something created being that's like God but not, no matter how you've seen Jesus, if you change the way you think about him and say, no, this isn't that, this is God in the flesh who came down, and not only for, for people who didn't deserve it, but to glorify his own name, died for a people, and, and in that is making those people more like Christ. You see the Father in election, the Son in salvation, and the Holy Spirit in sanctification working just so beautifully together that it, it's a masterpiece. It truly is to change a people who wasn't worthy, who wasn't anything, but change them to be heirs of Christ and God is just, I don't even have words for it. There are no words sure. for it. They're, they're, they're groanings too deep for words, so to say. So we we got two minutes left. If there's anything you can say to anybody in the last two minutes, what would it be? Whether in regards to sanctification or salvation or Jesus or anything, what would it be? I would say keep working to grow and keep believing the promise that he is growing you. God is at work in you. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your heart is saying to you right this minute, God is at work in you. Because he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There is hope. Sanctification is hope. Um, Don't let it go. And it's hope, and it comes from a God who cannot lie. Right? He cannot lie. He has promised these things to us. Justification, sanctification, ultimate salvation. We didn't get to talk about James today, right? (laughs) But Paul, but just in just a sense, Paul and James agree 100%. James says faith without works is dead. That's what Paul says. We agree. Faith without works is dead. If you have faith, but you don't use it to help your neighbor and to love your neighbor and, and just what James gives, right? If you don't use that love to do, or, or I'm sorry, that faith to produce love. If that faith doesn't produce love, it's dead. That's yeah. what saving faith is. It's a, it, we are made alive. We're not dead anymore. We're changed. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that you were dead. You who were once dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 4 says God has made you alive. Yes. And yes. we are not to seek the things of the flesh or seek the things. We are to seek the things of the Spirit. And we yes. can do that. We have that ability now. Um, so, yeah. Bruce, I, I mean, I, I really want to thank you uh, for coming on. We got about twenty seconds left before that in, uh, or the outro fires. But I, I really do. I really want to thank you um, for coming on and doing this. Like, I, I think it's been fun. 
really. It has, it's been good, and I enjoy the conversation and and invigorates my heart with the hope that we have and looking forward to one day when I will no longer have to deal with my own sinful heart in sanctification ultimate. Amen. And that's the ultimate hope for Christians is that one day we will not have to endure sin. I want to thank you, Bruce, for coming on. If you guys want to check out the rest of the episodes, go to www.completecenters.com. Email me at completecenter.gmail.com and check out our Facebook at The Complete Centers Guide. Thank you, guys. I am out. We'll see you next week. Bye.